Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. All this has happened before. Hey kids, Townsend Coleman here, the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Tom Kane, this is the voice of Yoda on Star Wars. Hey yo, it's Wopat, and a big yee to you all. I used to be Luke Duke. Hi, my name is Oli Shoshan. I play Jedi Master Shakti. Hi, Butch Patrick here, Eddie Munster. Hi, this is Jim. Hi, this is Bill Farmer. You're listening to the Neverland Podcast. Welcome to Neverland, to Disney and beyond. And it will all happen again. And now your head lost boy, the Spider Pan. Walk on the eyes of each pan. Jeremy! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders, and sprinkle some of that pixie dust around because it is time once again to fly to Neverland with me, Jeremy, your head lost boy. You can call me Spider Pan because us lost boys, we all have a nickname. In fact, I've got another nickname, Lost Boy, that you haven't heard from for a while. But, of course, if you're new here, you don't know we haven't heard from him. <laughs> so, but anyways, yes, Lost Boy Retlaw, also known as Eric. Hey there. Oh, I'm lost. Oh. Well, don't worry. We'll find you. You're somewhere probably uh, playing with the, uh, probably playing with the Indians. We like to dance over there. Or are we not, sp- are we supposed to call them Native Neverlanders now? Is that, is that more PC? Uh, that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> so yeah, but you know you're probably off playing with them again. You know, having dances. We have a good time with them. You know, we. If you read the book, you know we're supposed to just fight with them because it's fun. We have little wars that are not really dangerous. It's just we're having a good time with each other. You know, they're not exactly. real wars. They're just good practice for when Captain Hook comes back. Which Captain Hook is about to come back, and he's going to be played by Jude Law. Holy cow! How did that happen? Well, apparently they signed some papers, had some discussions this week. And oh my goodness! See, I would you know I, I go back and forth because whenever they have these remakes, part of me is like, oh please stop remaking because some of them are like, uh. But then when I hear about with them coming, I get a little excited because I hear some news like this, and I'm like, ooh, Jude Law's Captain Hook, ooh, I like that, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, could have been Christopher Walken. Uh, yeah, and I still love Christopher Walken, but yeah, I'm sorry, he was no good. <laughs> <laughs> But Jude Law would make it's going to be such an interesting Captain Hook, and of course that means he's going to have to be playing Mister Darling as well because it's tradition. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Well, yeah. Oh, so as I'm starting to hear some casting, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised actually if they find Josh Gad to be Smee because somehow or another I think he could pull it off. I think Josh Gad is obligated to be in nearly every live action <laughs> Disney movie from here on out. Maybe, maybe. Oh, but anyway, so what have you been up to? Let's keep everybody current on us. Uh, about five foot eleven. 
about five. That's about me too. Yeah, well, five eleven. Yeah, I'm working from home still, I guess, though. Yes, yes. Uh, fortunately, um, I, I, I do have a job. There was some concern here uh, within the last month uh, as my department had to undergo some pretty drastic uh, revisions. But uh, fortunately, I'm 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 still with it and still uh, going strong with my occupation. I, I feel absolutely horrible for everyone that was affected, though. And I know that my company is not the only one that's uh, dealing with this. And I'm sure there's going to be even more fallout uh, come down to the line. But, you know, that just uh, helps to reinforce how important it is to, you know, hold on to what we've got and, you know, focus on the good in life and look for, for the best in things. And sometimes that means taking that trip to Neverland. Yep, and I, boy, I, with everything in the world today, I've needed a good trip to Neverland. Uh, in fact, I've spent most of my time, because I can hardly stand to be on social media these days, uh, or even, I don't even want to hear any news anymore. So I've actually spent some time on YouTube, and I, I encourage people to do this. I think you'd enjoy it. Uh, if you'll, uh, like, explore, I think it's explore.com. It's something uh, for a lot of uh, national parks or the Cornell um Cornell University or Ornithology, but Cornell does does a lot of bird focus. But on YouTube, you can find a lot of live streams. We've there's a, a park up in Alaska. You can watch the the salmon are doing their their yearly swim upstream, and they've oh, yes. got they've got a camera set up where you can watch the bears catching the salmon as they swim upstream. Uh, so we watch that. We I, I, today here I've been watching a lot of hummingbird. Uh, camera set up. Uh, there was one outside of um, Studio City, California. There were a lot of different hummingbirds visiting some feeders. And you know how relaxing it is to just sit? Because you know, we can watch YouTube on our on our big screen TV. But we'll sit mm-hmm. there and we just watch you know, birds or just some nature. And that's what I recommend to everybody. Find something just relaxing to just you know, get turn off the regular TV and just find something either funny or just relaxing to just enjoy. And you might even learn something. My wife, because uh, we, we saw a lot of hummingbirds today that we're not used to seeing around here. And so we were looking up wow. different birds. Uh, I even found a camera that's out in Panama that uh, wow. that Cornell had. And we got to see all these little tropical birds that were, of course, we don't usually see. And oh, tropical birds are just gorgeous. They're just beautiful oh, they, colors. They are. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun to just see that. And that's that's kind of how I've been spending my day. And it's, it's super relaxing. It made me feel a lot better with uh, all the stress of things, because I now that it's July here in the state of Missouri, my furlough in order to keep receiving unemployment, I have to actively start searching. So technically, I'm supposed to be able to come back to uh, Alpha Media, my where I was working, uh, and, and I thought it was going to be August, but no, they they have not set a date for me to come back. It might not be August. Who knows when it's going to be? So I have to actively start searching for another job in order to keep my unemployment. So mm-hmm. it's never fun job hunting. No, no. But, this this could be I might find something better than my I don't know if I can call it my previous or my current position because technically I'm they haven't let me go I'm just furloughed and they want to bring me back, mm-hmm. but at the same time I don't have access to my email address I looked on the company or not the company website but the radio station website they've pulled me off of there so I'm like okay I'm you guys have kind of severed ties with me a bit here so I'm like I'm gonna go somewhere else and. I'm actually learning to use my connections. There's a radio station. It's a country station, uh, and I, I I I can listen to some old country. A lot of the newer country, I'm I'm really not into. I'm not a country music person in general, but believe me, I'll play whatever they tell me to. But there was a country station that uh, I've applied with, and the Will Height and Wall Show 
which started on this station, is now an actually syndicated show, and we used to carry it at the radio station I was working at. And I've mm-hmm. got a, a fairly decent working relation with Darren Wilhite, and I let him know that I applied over there, and he fired an email over to some people. So, you know, that might actually work out, you know, to have somebody give me a little uh, reference, a little credibility there. So well, good, good. Something might happen, and I might be on a, a larger market, provided somebody decides they like me. And mm-hmm. hopefully don't hear that I, you know, my community radio show is like a, you know, Christian metal and rock and it's not country. <laughs> it's very different. So, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I listen to a variety. I've even, uh, while I'm just jabbering on here, uh, I've got a flash drive. I've, uh, I've loaded up with most of the music I have here on my computer to listen to in the car. And it's funny to listen to this flash drive because uh, one minute you might be hearing something from a video game. Mm-hmm. Then you might hear some uh, old jazzy stuff from the forties. Mm-hmm. Then a random Disney song might play, and then next thing you know, you're here in Metallica, you know? <laughs> and then well, you might that, go and play Cindy Lauper, you know? You never know. Well, I got to say, that sounds a bit like the last weekend I had. <laughs> What'd you do? I drove 13 and a half... Well, I, I ought to rephrase that. My dear sweet Rife drove the better part of 13 hours each direction. Uh, oh, I'm being corrected. It was 14 <laughs> hours. Hi, Haley. Uh, to... Uh, you know, visit our uh, parents. Uh, of course, we live in Arizona. My uh, in-laws live in Las Vegas, and my family all live up in Idaho. So uh, we we took last weekend, uh, took a nice five-day round trip trip to uh, well escape the heat of Arizona and uh, spend a little bit of time with our families for the Fourth of July. Yeah, and of course, you know, uh, we had uh, we we well we we have a Apple Music account, which fortunately allows us to access all of the music that we have stored on our computers as well. So uh, we had uh, quite the interesting selection of music, uh, <laughs> all 28 of those hours. Woo! Yikes. You know, that's something I haven't gotten to do this summer is a good road trip. Well, you know, gas prices are fairly decent and uh, not quite as many people out on the roads as I expected to see. So you never know. And I've had some thoughts. Um, in fact, I think, yeah, the day that this is being recorded, uh, I have discovered that there's a show, uh, Lisa Welchel, you know, Blair Warner from The Facts of Life. She's got mm-hmm. a show about collectors and oh. actually airing, and I've got it set to record, uh, they're going to talk to the people who, uh, oh, the Hall of Heroes Museum there in oh, Indiana. Yes. Mm-hmm. They are. That's the episode airing tonight. I've set my DVR to watch it, and I've oh, said, nice. oh, with that being on, I was talking to my wife. I said, you know, I'd really like to go there, and maybe on the way, you know, go to Metropolis, Illinois, mm-hmm. and then work my way over into Indiana and go see the Hall of Heroes. Mm-hmm. That, that that would be a fun road trip. That'd be just me a geek out trip. I don't know if it'd be as much fun for Heather as it would for me, but I've I've had that thought, like you know, I, but I don't feel like driving it, so maybe we take a bus. The only thing is, is I have to now actively be searching for a job. Which means I might have to just stay around here to do that because I might. Who knows? Somebody might want to interview me. So. Well, the great thing is, uh, with the world and the situation that it is right now, a lot of people are doing phone interviews. Yeah, so that's that could be a possibility, but I think I'm more fun in person. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the but, the, uh, the lady that cut my hair yesterday said I was funny. So, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Which oh, now, another, another good funny story. But uh, you had something to say, but no, I'm going to remember oh, that funny no, story no, I want no, to tell no. you. But Oh, I was just going to say, aside from that uh, and the work, I've just been, uh, well, I'm afraid to, uh, you remember the A-team and you're, do you remember what it was that B.A. would say about Hannibal 
as he was getting his plan together. All I can think of was pity and fools and loving it when a plan came together. <laughs> uh, no, what, there's one other thing he said, particularly, particularly about Hannibal. He says, Hannibal's on the jazz. <laughs> Hannibal's got his plan. He's got the wheels in motion. He's getting it ready. I, I have to announce that, you know, I've been on the jazz these last couple of days myself. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit further into the show, but uh, when I get on the jazz, it's because I'm getting ready to visit a Disney park. Awesome. Oh, yes. And what it means is I'm not just excited to go. Oh, no. I am pulling out all of my books. I am pulling out uh, YouTube videos and DVDs and as my wife just kindly reminded me, I totally geek out. But that is when I am on the jazz. Uh, so we can talk about that a little bit further, too. Oh, yeah, because that's definitely something coming in the news. But quick, funny story. I have to share this. So I went to go get a haircut yesterday. Now, in Kansas City, the mayor has decided we all must wear a mask in public at all times. Well, you know, of course, mm -hmm. if you're in your car, there's no point wearing a mask. If you're outside, really not that big, big a thing. But as I was in there, you know, to get a haircut, I was wearing my mask. And hair that she was cutting from the top of my head fell down and into my mask and got, it, it kind of like static electricity or something, got stuck. And I actually was breathing my hair and I had to take oh, my goodness. mask off. I was like, you know, choking on my own hairs. Uh, so, and I still can't get, yeah, I was trying to pick little hairs out of there and put the mask back on. It was funny having her cut my hair around the mask and then she was trying to wash my hair out with the mask on it. It got the back of it a little wet, but yeah, kind of a funny story that, uh, and then I've learned that uh, the mask I have is a medical one. Uh, mm -hmm. But if I push around my nose, there is a little metal bar I've discovered that would contour towards around my mask and my cheekbones. So if I'd have known that, I probably could have prevented a bunch of hair that is stuck in Quite my mask. Possibly, I can't get yes. it all out. <laughs> but oh, as another just little side note, uh, as I'm, we're trying to find interesting things to do, because you have to get out of the house every once in a while. I went to an antique store and I found now see, hear that. That is a plastic bag. That is the original plastic bag for McDonald's Happy Meal Muppet Babies. And it's Fozzie riding on his rocking horse. Still in its original bag. And I'm trying to decide, do I keep it in the bag? Or do I take it out of the bag just so I can uh, play with it? Let's face it, I'm going to play with it a little bit. Then I'm going to put it on display. <laughs> <laughs> but if I, t if I take it out of the package... I'll totally make a video of it, but I don't know if I want to take it out because it has stayed in this bag. Uh, let's see if it's got a year. Let's see. Yeah, 1986. So this has been in a bag for... 34 years. Yeah. So, I, 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 y'all say something. Come on Facebook or send me an email. What do you think? Should I take it out of the bag or should I leave it in the bag? But right now it's here on my desk. But this is one I remember having from when I was a kid. This is the mm -hmm. one that matched work because I think uh, Kermit was also a standing figure, but he had skateboard. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I had everybody but Gonzo, which is unfortunate because Gonzo is still my favorite. You know, in most cases, you know, I relate more to Gonzo, I think, than some of the others. Um, don't know why. Am I that weird? But yes, I am. Uh, but well, yeah, I didn't. But I had uh, the other sitting one was Miss Piggy. She had a little car. And she was the counterpoint to Gonzo. They could swap. And then Fozzie, of course, was a stand-up, but you could sit him on his horse. But you could swap Kermit and Fozzie, and you could swap Miss Piggy with Gonzo, but I never had Gonzo on his tricycle. 
Hmm. Well, you do know this about the Muppet Babies. They will make your dreams come true. Oh, yes. Indeed. Wopsy doody bop, as we say. <laughs> the other fun thing is I now actually have uh, next to me, only cost me $4. You know what that sound is? That is That's spring. <laughs> that is Ram Man. Almost, yeah, pretty much oh. a spring. That is Ram Man, the original Master of the Universe Ram Man, in pretty good condition. I got him for $4. He doesn't, uh, his legs don't stick in position for the launch. Of course, it's not like you could do anything besides launch him up into the air, mm-hmm. but he's now sitting and keeping me company on my desk. And uh, I, I love going to antique stores and thrift stores because this is the type of thing I look for. is <laughs> old toys. I don't buy yeah. new toys except for to hang on my wall. But old toys, I mean, I've got a Rancor sitting here with me. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I got some old X-Men stand, sitting on this. I mean, the desk I'm at right now is a haven. And in fact, when I we had some family over even uh, for Fourth of July over to the our house, which is fairly new to us. And they looked in my office here where I'm recording this and like, this is like a child's playland. I'm like, yeah, but when you're 40 something, it's not child playland. I'm just kind of my own. It's my Neverland. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I've got are just uh, a whole bunch of uh, pop vinyls on my desk at the moment. So, yeah. And I'm trying to slow down on pop vinyls because I'm running out of space for them. The last purchase, I, I did find a Phineas Ezra and Gus collection. Yeah, at, uh, yeah. at uh, Target, I, I had to get that set because because I love the haunted mansion. So, and well, my I, my latest uh, acquisition happens to be one Bullwinkle J Moose. Nice. I I am partially tempted because I have been seeing, and this has been a warning. I've been watching some videos because now Walt Disney World has been opening more of their parks, and throughout the week, the Magic Kingdom's been open. Everybody made a mad rush over to the Splash Mountain store. Uh, and started buying up the Splash Mountain merchandise before it's gone. And I did see uh, in a photo that there was a Funko Pop set of Brer Fox, Brer Rabbit, and Brer Bear. I kind of mm-hmm. want that, but I don't know where I'd put it. <laughs> I still want yeah, a Funko could. Figment. There, well, I've still got mine. Yeah, and I still want one. <laughs> I don't know where I would put it, but it's so cute. I want one. Well, I've got mine sitting next to my Jim Henson Funko holding Kermit. Nice. And that's that's one thing I do worry about is I hope the people who were who were rushing to buy this aren't going to turn around onto eBay and then jack the price up to uh, punish other Disney people who maybe can't get to the parks or would maybe want to get a hold of this because uh, you know people are people that kind of exploited. I hope people getting hold of the merchandise are people who want it because they enjoyed Splash Mountain. But yeah, I know there's people who are going to just turn around onto eBay and just sell it, and that's why they're stocking up on all the items. No, which, and and there there, there was it. more than one picture uh, that I saw on social media this weekend of uh, people laden with large bags exiting from mm-hmm. that portion of the park. So yeah, and so I just have a bad feeling that people are not doing it in the right spirit that I that I wish people would have, you know. Mm-hmm. So I understand the need to make some money, especially it's a kind of a rough time right now. And but yeah, it's like come on, there's fans of it who would want it, and I I would actually want it, and I don't know if I have a way to access it. I need to look on the on the Disney store and see if I can maybe buy that little Funko set because it looks really cute. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I'll have to take a look because maybe they'll put it on a clearance. If it goes on a clearance, it might be in that other store that there in Orlando that uh, has like the warehouse. You know, I wonder mm-hmm. how much stuff might be in there for sale here later. Well, I've I've seen Funko Pops every once in a while in there. Yeah, it's possible you're going to find some Splash Mountain merch in there at some point. You might have to go check it out when you go visit. 
Hopefully I have the time. And hopefully it's open because that last check, the uh, Disney character warehouse, uh, there's two of them in Orlando. Neither one of have been reopened as of yet. Mm. But the parks are open. There are definitely restrictions. You're going to have to wear a mask. They're going to check your temperature on the way. Uh, I did see, and this kind of saddens me. I understand it, though. The stretching room is not active. They're just using it as part of the queue because they want to move everybody through. They don't want to cluster everybody into that small space uh, for right. the stretching room. So I understand it. It's still sad because that's part of the experience for, for me. I mean, you're, I know you go in there and everybody just talks and people aren't paying attention. But me, I pay attention to it. I love it. So, And that that's just breaks my heart that you missed part of the experience there. Uh, well, and it's it's part of the show. And it, yeah. part, it, part of it is to set you up for what that experience happens to be. And it, it is sad that that's uh, unfortunately a casualty of yeah. the restrictions that are currently in place. But they're doing everything they can to keep it uh, as safe as possible and functional. And w- this will end. This will all come to an end eventually. And everything is going to go back to normal. we got to keep the faith. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. You know, but one uh, very pleasant side effect of all of this is that the parks uh, really have not been overly uh, packed. Yeah, uh, the, they've been fairly uh, open with plenty of uh, space, and most surprisingly, very very short wait times. Um, Currently, uh, there are two parks open, uh, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. Uh, Both Hollywood Studios and Epcot are set to open up a little bit later this week on the 15th, which I believe is Wednesday. Yes, it is. And so we'll we'll see how those parks do. But uh, as uh, both both Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom have been open, I think the longest that I have seen for uh, wait time is about 40 minutes, incidentally, for Splash Mountain. Uh, some of the more recent rides, such as uh, Seven Dwarves Mine Train, has had a wait of maybe about 30 minutes. Mm. Um, going over to Animal Kingdom, where your biggest ride still is Flight of Passage, the longest wait time I've seen for that is 20 minutes. Wow. And that is spent just walking in the queue. That is not spent waiting for people ahead of you to clear. Yeah. So um, it, it, it really does... Uh, I mean, it does stink with some of the uh, restrictions that have been put in place as far as uh, how many days annual pass holders can reserve in advance um, and limiting the number of people going into these parks at a time. Uh, But it is resulting in uh, uh, some very interesting wait times. Unfortunately, the other side of that coin is that there are very few entertainment offerings. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, there, there are no Dapper Dan's performing out on the street. Mm. There's no um, uh, drummers in Pandora. The You don't have a typical parade going on. Instead, you have uh, character caravans yeah. in which uh, oh, one foot or one vehicle. Cavalcade yeah, of characters, like I think they're calling it. where Because mm-hmm. you, you can't hug Mickey, but you can get a selfie as he goes by on the little float. Exactly. So it's uh, definitely an interesting time. Um, you know, I, I actually, in preparation for the trip we're taking, where we are going to Animal Kingdom, that was the only uh, park that I was able to get a uh, reservation for for this coming weekend. Um, so we're going to go to Animal Kingdom and uh, see how much fun we can have for the day. Uh, in preparation for it, I bought myself a neck gaiter. What is a neck gaiter? Well, that is a uh, piece of fabric 
which in my experience, and you know, it could be different in other cases, has a piece of elastic at the top and a piece of elastic uh, sewn into the bottom. And you just take it over your head and it just rests on your face and covers your neck. Um, that has been the, for me, the best option that I can find to, uh, have a facial covering yet still breathe easy. Yeah. However, it's only one layer of fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, and Disney, uh, came out, uh, during their pass holder previews, uh, and announced that, uh, it had to, the facial coverings had to have ear loops or ear holes. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, my neck gator doesn't have that, but Oh, look, here on Amazon.com, there is a neck gaiter with ear loops. Oh, yay. (laughs) Put out, I ordered it, and the day that I received it, the announcement came in that they are not allowing any type of neck gaiter uh, in the parks. So um, I I do have a couple of additional masks. In fact, I've got uh, several disposable masks available that I may may take. Uh, I may even look for some uh, paper-type masks as well uh, for this trip. Uh, I, I really am... Uh, this is the first time I've been to Florida in July, so I'm a little trepidatious about the heat. And, uh, you know, but in addition to that, I've got a uh, neck fan now, which I wear it around my neck. And there's two small fans at the end of that that I can twist into position and uh, help keep things a little bit cool. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you're used to the heat. You live in Arizona. <laughs> uh, I'm used to dry heat. Yeah. This, this is Florida, <laughs> land of humidity. Yes, indeed. So we shall see how well I survive. Um, it, it's going to be interesting, uh, certainly, um, with the parks in the state that they are. Uh, we're considering a few other options uh, during the time that we're down there. We may go visit uh not universal proper but universal city walk maybe we'll check that out uh definitely spend some time at downtown disney and hey if those uh character warehouse stores are open by then uh, we're definitely going to be stopping by and seeing what they have in stock all righty uh well we probably better get a moving on with some other things so uh we do have some stuff to talk about in the trailer park but before that I say I didn't know whether to call this like a movie review or what you've been watching on Disney Plus because Hamilton came on to Disney Plus. Uh, it's been now, I guess it was like what the the third, I guess. Well, I think the third is yep. when I watched it. I watched it the day before. Yep, uh, yep. And that's kind of the, been the big thing on Disney Plus. Although there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, heck, I've been watching. I love that uh, the Bill Farmer show. It's a Dog's Life, adorable mm-hmm. show. By the way, if you're not watching that one, I definitely recommend. But the big one was Hamilton, and. I'm appreciated that they had that film version because, I mean, goodness, you hear about Hamilton everywhere. It was like the end-all, be-all, must-see show. And I know I'm not the only one that that, that your brain kind of works this way because I saw other people posting about it on Facebook that when something gets hyped up this big and you haven't seen it, your your first instinct is like, I don't know if I'm going to like it because I'm just a little tired of hearing about this thing I don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Uh and I got to say, that, that first maybe half hour, I had a hard time understanding what was going on. I couldn't understand the lyrics. But I, I think the moment I started, because I stuck with it, I said, well, this is kind of catchy. But at, at about the point that the, the guy playing General Washington, because the George Washington guy, he was awesome. So oh, I yes. I got to say. Yes, about Christopher that point, Jackson. He was so good. And I was like, oh, hey, I can under, understand him. Plus, the King George guy was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved that. Uh, but... 
as as I stuck with it, now my wife didn't stick with it. She found other things to do, but I stuck with it, and I was thoroughly entertained. I don't think it's the end all be all that it. I, I think in my head it seemed like it's supposed to be, but it's thoroughly entertaining and very enjoyable. I thought. I don't think you're going to learn a lot of history. I learned a lot of stuff I think I didn't know, and my wife actually started looking up stuff uh, about Alexander Hamilton, and actually was like, "Well, here's what actually happened," and "Oh, here's what actually happened." Uh, but I guess Hamilton, this the musical was based off of a, a book somebody wrote about yes, Alexander Hamilton. Yes. Ron Chernow's uh, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, and so there is some stuff I, I didn't know had occurred, but uh, and this is basically fanciful. It's almost more like a a one act opera or one or not really a one act opera, but we used to do one act plays in a theater in the round in high school. So that's why one act jumped in my head. But it was a theater. It's almost like a it's a one area theater. They don't really do much for sets. It's they'll bring out some tables when needed. But the stage is nice. It, it kind of rotated around and did some cool things. And the music is super catchy. There's a little bit of a mixture of you know, a little bit of rap, a little hip hop, uh, a little bit of old school kind of jazz in there, a little bluesy, it, just different. And I, it's the music was actually really good. Uh, I don't know how many songs are necessarily memorable that stand out because it's it's all set to music. But uh, I got I really did enjoy the uh, um, the song that uh, Eliza has there at the party where she first meets Alexander Hamilton. I cannot think of the, song, the name of the song, but I Helpless. really yes, oh yes, it was that was a beautiful song. I really liked it. But there's there's some good stuff. Um, plus, King George's songs always stood out because they were just funny. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I really enjoyed it. How about you? Have you good, watched it? Good. Uh, I lost count. <laughs> no, I've I, I've I've been listening to the music of Hamilton for well over two years now. Um, I've I've got the Ron Chernow book. Um, my daughter, I caught my daughter singing one of the songs from it about three years ago, and. I, I, I kind of chastised her a little bit over it because I didn't know anything about the music. And it was about a woman upset that her husband had committed adultery. And I was like, um, I, I don't know if that's the best thing for my 13-year-old <laughs> to be listening to. But yeah. it, it gave me the little bit of a spark that I needed to investigate it and learn more about it. Um, I remember, uh, you know, fortunately, my work is one where I'm able to you know, listen to music in the background and uh, – so I took it to work. I listened to it all the way through. And uh, by the end, I was just in absolute tears because of uh, the emotions that you go through, particularly during the the, the last half of the second act. Yeah. Um, it, whoo. Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't want to spoil um, anything, but wow. <laughs> and, and, and the musical does have a good message of, um, you know, looking for the opportunities to to take your shot, you know, do you wait for it? Um, and, and ultimately, you know, it, it's no spoiler to say, you know, how Alexander Hamilton dies and who's responsible for it. Um, if I recall right, there was actually a Got Milk commercial several years ago that uh, touched upon that subject. Um, but uh, just 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 the message of, um, you know, on the one hand, striking while the iron is hot, uh and, and taking advantage of the situation while it's there before you rather yes. than waiting for something to happen, waiting for, uh, you know, that, that change that you want to see take place. Um, and, and it all wraps up and, and concludes and, uh, you know, with the main characters kind of swapping philosophies at the very end. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's for, for me, Watching the musical was just a confirmation of everything that I already enjoyed. 
from, you know, listening to the soundtrack for two and a half years. Um, you know, you'll, uh, you mentioned, uh, General Washington, uh, that was Christopher Jackson. He was the voice of Moana's father, uh, the singing voice in Moana. Really? Moana, make way, make way. Oh, that that would make sense with Lin-Manuel Miranda writing the music for Moana, which is how I knew I was probably going to enjoy the music because I really (laughs) really like the music in Moana. So Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is going to be good. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, some really fascinating uh, lyrics that are part of it. And, and just the fact that, you know, they did take this rap hip hop style, uh, to present this story is, is really amazing. Um, I know that Emmanuel Miranda, uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, how do you get across the, the fact that this guy is writing like he's running out of time? Well, let's speed up his language. Um, you know, if, if it were the musical 1776, you know, it takes forever to, to, to sing those songs and get the message out. Whereas in this musical, um, you know, rap helps convey that the, you know, just the impression that he's got to get this, these words, this language out of his head and onto paper and that it just can't stop. Um, but then you've got songs like Helpless where, you know, you watch as his wife falls in love with him. And then you've got the song immediately after uh, Satisfied in which uh, his sister-in-law, you know, comes to realize, did I make a mistake? And, and the, the whole uh, storytelling aspect to that, I'm not going to reveal it because it is kind of interesting yeah. uh, on how she comes to that realization and, and where she gets to that point in the story is you know really interesting uh they do work with time in some very interesting ways and i'm not just talking about time as as in the rhythm of the music but also just how time affects uh individuals and um you know in in a way that really only musical can how it gives you that opportunity to kind of stop and do a zach morris and (laughs) you know address the fourth wall yeah but, which, uh, which was interesting because actually, uh, if you've ever seen uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, it actually reminded me of that with how Aaron mm-hmm. Burr could stop and talk directly to the audience because Judas does that in Jesus Christ Superstar, which personally mm-hmm. I don't recommend Jesus Christ Superstar unless you're – I mean as far – as if you took it as a musical, it's OK. But if you actually – yeah, I, I don't want to get too far into religious connotation, but – that I found Jesus Christ Superstar to be kind of blasphemous. I want to say that's yeah, yeah. a whole other story. But the way the story is told through Judas's perspective, when I saw Aaron Burr coming out and telling me the story of Hamilton, I was like, "This reminds me of that." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, it, it really is a very um, interesting uh, depiction. Uh, again, it's something that I've been enjoying for the last few years. And again, watching this was just, it was perfect. You know, there were a little, you know, visually there's stuff you're never going to get across in audio. And when I saw Hercules Mulligan as the flower girl at the wedding, I just lost it. Oh, how did I miss that? (laughs) Or when you see, um, King George pop up, you know, further on in the show well after his role has really been played and he kind of pops out out of nowhere mocking uh, alexander hamilton at one point <laughs> it just it just is just yeah you know just just those humorous funny little moments and of course there, yeah. there's also a couple of very significant uh parts to the show that are not included on the soundtrack so um for those who 
may not have known that they existed, it would have been a great surprise uh, to anyone who knows the soundtrack to have come across these two pieces to the presentation and go, oh, wow, what does that mean? And how does that now change how I view this? Mm. So um, overall, I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there has been some uh, uh, editing of some uh, less than family-friendly words <laughs> in, in the show. Uh, and, and, and that's maybe one thing to, to say. If you haven't seen this show um, and you're concerned about uh, watching it with your kids, um, there, there are a couple of bleeped censored words yeah. um and there's other language that uh you know what if you've watched back to the future or ghostbusters those words have been used in those movies too yeah so you know <laughs> yeah. basically what you would expect in a pg-13 type presentation yeah. um there there is reference to and i mentioned it earlier to an affair uh however not overly graphic right um and uh it, it does have an impact upon how Alexander Hamilton, you know, lives his life. Yeah. Uh, and even a, a great lesson and a great song about forgiveness that, yes. oh, wow, that I, I, as, for, Eliza was a great character, but uh, with the forgiveness. And then at the, at, she kind of finishes the show out talking about all the things that Eliza Hamilton did afterward. Mm-hmm. Then it's, it's just amazing of what she did afterward. She was an amazing woman. Apparently uh, I, exactly, I would like yeah. to research a little bit about her, but, that boy, that that's a good lesson, I think, in that of being able to forgive. Uh, I mean, that I can take to heart. It's like you know, I I don't think it's hard to be as forgiving as you should be. Uh, mm-hmm. And that boy, that was a heck of a wow. She was able to forgive, and the song about forgiveness is so so good. It is. Um, that one is. It's called "It's Quiet Uptown," and yeah. it's constantly on my mental jukebox. And, you know, maybe that's my subconscious telling me, "Look, be forgiving." Allow people some grace. Yeah. Um, everyone's at their own point in their journey. And, you know, you need to allow them that opportunity, which I think really is a message that as a nation, we could probably take to heart right now. Yes, indeedy. Um, but uh, with, with that said, um, I can't recommend the show enough. I really enjoy it. Uh, if you are watching it for the first time and Jeremy, I might even recommend this if you'd like to watch it a, a second time. Turn on the captions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it will make all the difference because you, you know, like I said, the, a lot of this is rap and a lot of it is coming out so fast. It's hard to um, take advantage and, and, and really understand what it is that they're saying. Yeah, because it goes um, by so fast in that first half hour until until uh, like Washington, his song actually slows down as more of a singing. And yeah. then it becomes more singing than it is rap after it kind of gets it gets its footing. And then right. you start to be able to catch up with it, and you're like, oh, man, this is good, and this is enjoyable, and the music is good, the dancing was good, uh, the performances. Uh, the guy who went from playing Lafayette and then the second act, he's Thomas Jefferson. He was just fun to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, David Diggs. And, oh, wow. Uh, he's, he's done quite a bit outside. Um, I was watching Wonder. It's a story about a, a boy who's got some physical disformities. Um, and he popped up in that, and it caught me by surprise that he was in that. <laughs> but yeah, just the, the performances are great. It's great entertainment, and uh, don't go into there sitting there and keeping in your head, oh, well, apparently this is the end-all, be-all. Just go in there and say, okay, well, this is a thing that just sit back and I'm going to be entertained by this. 
Try to try to keep the hype out of your head and just sit and watch it for what it is. And I think you'll enjoy it because it is it's very catchy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Say. But uh, we better turn the corner. <laughs> so. Well, as long as you don't need my technical, practical brilliance. <laughs> but uh, it's a good time to turn the corner because we have a great interview coming up in the show with Virginia Hankins, who, let's just say it, she's a real life mermaid. And there is a Disney connection that we cannot tell you about. But uh, I'm pretty sure hopefully we left enough cookie crumbs that you're going to find her. But she is uh, like a she'll teach you to be a mermaid, basically. And she's even got a book on Amazon, How to Live Like a Mermaid. Uh, Well, I got the title wrong, but she's got a book on Amazon. If you look her up, Virginia Hankins, H-A-N-K-I-N-S. So we've got that interview coming up here real short and quickly in the show. But before we get to it, we definitely have to visit the trailer park a couple of times. All right, y'all. One more time. It don't matter what you look like. It don't nobody gonna sing with me. Okay. The Neverland Trailer Park. There's a time that I remember when I did not know no pain. When I believed in forever, everything will stay the same. Welcome to your new home. We're here rolling. What are you looking at, huh? Your papa? Let's give him a great show, okay? The one and only. Why do they want an angry gorilla anyway? You're a silverback. He terrifies humans. (laughs) You're not terrifying. Who's that? My sister. Where's your sister now? I don't remember. Memories never leave us. They just get out of reach. Whoa. Did you draw all these? A gorilla. Who draws? What is it? Don't tell me, don't tell me. It's a lonely haystack on a late summer day. It's a beetle. Can you tell me a story? Once there was a baby elephant who was smart and brave, and she needed to live in the wild where she could be free. Does the baby elephant get to be free? Is clearly a sign he wants to be free. What about Mac? He's taken care of me my whole life. We're family. We're in this together. For one and only, I'll just cross the road then. Why would you cross the road? To get to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this first trailer is, uh, what is it called? I, Ivan the One, or no, the one and only Ivan. And I always get yes. this backwards. Uh, and this is an adaption of a best-selling, an award-winning book about a special gorilla. And it's directed by Thea Sherrock. And it's going to ex- uh, premiere exclusively on Disney Plus on August 21st. Uh, now, this was going to be released theatrically by Walt Disney Studios. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of things have gotten turned around and, and put on Disney Plus. 
And so they, this is a hybrid. It's got some live action and some CGI. Uh, the book is, is Catherine Applegate. Uh, is the author. She's won numerous, pardon me, numerous awards. Uh, book was published 2013 and it won a Newbery Medal. And so this, the, the cast here, we've got the voices of Sam Rockwell as the gorilla Ivan, Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie as Stella the Elephant, Danny DeVito as Bob the Dog, Helen Mirren as Snickers the Poodle, Shaka Khan as Henrietta the Chicken, Mike White as Frankie the Seal, Brooklyn Prince as Ruby the Baby Elephant, Ron Funches as Murphy the Rabbit, Philippa Sue as Thumb of the Parrot, she's also in Hamilton as Eliza, mm-hmm. and stars Ramon Rodriguez, Ariana Greenblatt, and Brian Cranston. Uh, and of course, as I mentioned, it was directed by Thea Sharrock. And this is basically a 400-pound silverback gorilla that uh, he lives in a communal habitat in a suburban shopping mall with uh, uh, with the other animals, which is kind of weird. But he actually has some memories of being in the jungle and being captured when he's a baby. And now I don't know if this is necessarily going to be what you'd call a quote-unquote like a, a really good movie, but it looks cute and kind of fun because the weird thing is it's supposed to be inspired by a true story, but all the animals are talking because <laughs> this is <laughs> Disney. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it looks like I, I'm going to watch it because I, I I need some fun and just some cute, fun stuff. I'm, I'm down with that. And it mm-hmm. looks like it's kind of a little bit of a touchy feely thing because at some point, uh, you know, Ivan kind of learns to finger paint some stuff. And he's apparently trying to paint communicating his memories of the jungle. And they're like, I think Ivan wants to go home. So well, I thought it was a beetle. <laughs> right. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Short Circuit or not, not so much Short Circuit as um uh, Project X, the original Project X with the mm. chimps learning to fly planes with mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick. Yep. Back in old 80s. It reminds me of that uh, a lot, uh, which I, I liked that movie. I watched that movie a lot back in the 80s. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's the first movie I saw Helen Hunt in when she was young. And boy, she was she's always been a cutie anyway. But it's Helen Hunt and Matthew Broderick and these adorable chimps that are uh, this one chimp learned sign language. And then he's brought over into an Air Force project where they teach them how to fly. And I don't want to say you need to find this movie if you can. I don't want to say why they were teaching chimps how to fly planes, but uh, it, that's what becomes the crux of the movie is that when when Matthew Broderick finds out what's happening, and then it's trying to get the chimp to be able to fly home, and just oh, it's a it's a really it's a good movie. So, but that's what this reminded me of. Well, as long as Danny DeVito's character doesn't pick up a couple of guns and then say, "And so I started shooting." Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a meme. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that one. Uh, but we also have a quick Netflix trailer. I have done what I have to do to end this war. Honor will not win this war. Is the final day of the Autobot Resistance. I cannot help but ask myself, is this a hopeless crusade? Have my actions led to the extinction of our people? Spark is a vessel of life. In the hands of Megatron, there's no telling what he might do. 
the Allspark. Yes. A clean and decisive victory. If we continue on this course, no one will be left to win. The circle closes, Prime. We end this war now. Okay, now this, it's... It's Transformers War for Cybertron, and it's part of a trilogy, and this first part is called Siege. It's six episodes. This is a computer-animated Transformers series, and what what gets me excited is that they all look Generation 1. Yes. Holy cannoli. They they look amazing, and here's just a list of I don't I'm not really recognizing the names of most of the cast here. It's not any of the original cast from the '80s, but you've got Ultra Magnus in here, Impactor, Optimus Prime, of course, Ratchet, Shockwave, Mirage, RC, Ironhide, Teletran One, Megatron, Wheeljack, Alita One, Jetfire, Starscream, Sidesquite, Bumblebee. All these characters that people my age, our age, you know, remember as the kids that we love are gonna be in this, and they're gonna look the way we remember them. Yeah. I'm super excited. July 30th. Oh, that's quick. Yes, that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. And you better believe I'm probably going to sit and binge this puppy because, oh, my goodness, you got to go and look for this trailer and just get a look at how they look. Oh, my goodness. They just they look so great. They look like your toys come to life. Mm-hmm. So excited for this. Anything you want to add to that? You know, um, there's not much more that I can add other than, than what you've already said. I mean, this this does these are the generation one figures. Um, mm-hmm. I just hope because I've already had to live through it twice that they do not kill Optimus Prime. <laughs> yeah, nor nor turn him into a bad guy. Right, which I, I stopped watching those other movies with stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> although but, I did uh, enjoy Bumblebee. That one was yes. good. Yep, Bumblebee was really good. I, I really fun. enjoyed it. It borrowed but, uh, a lot of other great movies, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, this, this does look like it could be very enjoyable. Um, oh yeah, and you know, again, take takes it takes me right back uh, to you know seeing my friends have their Optimus one or op, yeah their Optimus Prime and. You know, always wanting to have that figure. And yeah. true, I wasn't able to get one until I was well into my 20s. But hey, that's uh, neither here nor there. Yeah, I still don't have <laughs> one and I want one. So uh, my one Transformer is I have Blaster hmm. that I found in a garage sale. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, we better turn another corner here and uh, let's jump right into my interview with. And by the way, this is only part one. Uh, there, there was, I had so much fun talking to Virginia that we talked uh, actually like two different topics. So. Uh, I probably will have an episode actually next week. I know we've been kind of every two weeks here lately, but uh, this is going to be part one and part two will air the week after. To Disney and beyond. All right, we have an exciting person to talk to, which the funny part is, is there's a Disney connection, but we are legally bound to not tell you what it is. But we plan to leave you some breadcrumbs. 
And hopefully you're going to find this. And odds are you've already seen her. You just don't know that you saw her. But I saw what she did and I was like, this person has to be an Olympic athlete or something because holy crap, that was amazing. So I started doing a little bit of research, tracking down, hunting around, and I found the person responsible for this really cool content. And not only have they done some work with Disney, but she's got a, a, a long list of different little things where she's popped up and you wouldn't necessarily know her by name, but you may have actually seen her do something by now. And I didn't double check to see how to pronounce your name, but it, hey, everybody just welcome Virginia. And I think it's Hankins. It's Hankins. Yay. I'm, I'm right in one. I don't often get that right. <laughs> Well, you got it today. <laughs> Yay! So today is my happy day because I'm actually doing something right. It's 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 nice when I do something right. People appreciate me that more. I guess I don't know. Whatever. I'm babbling, but that's what I'm. That's why I do this job because I'm good at babbling. But what I'm thinking, a couple things I'm not good at, and this is where I I got to tell some funny stories on me. So I when I was born and Jaws was out, so I saw Jaws a few too many times when I was really young, and so I never properly learned to swim because. Oh, no. I was kind of terrified I was going to get eaten in a swimming pool. And I think that kind of contributed. I, as Andre the Giant says in Princess Bride, I only doggy paddle. I can't, I can't hold my breath very long. I can't keep water from going under my nose. I am a terrible swimmer. Thank God I married a woman who was a lifeguard in her teenage years. Or, nice. So if I ever start drowning, my wife is going to save me. The other funny story that, that also is going to relate and everybody's going to understand later. Uh, I did, uh, like up in Chicago, I live, of course, in Missouri. I did uh, a summer camp. For, like, urban kids who usually don't get a chance to get out into the woods and do anything. And there was an archery set up, and we didn't have anybody to teach us anything. And I was like, okay, I'm a camp counselor. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And I didn't shoot that bad, but I did not know what, how to properly hold the bow. And the string kept slicing across uh, my, my forearm, and I was just red and just ripping skin off of me. And I, was, I never could figure out how to properly hold that thing to where I didn't hurt myself. So, funnily <laughs> enough, now I'm talking to somebody who works professionally as a mermaid and as a heck of a good archer, as well as a whole lot of stuff. You've been, like, knighted in California. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I have had a pretty fantastical career so yeah. far and really excited to see where it keeps going. But I did start L.A. Mermaid School or Los Angeles Mermaid School, which is – it was the first – yeah, school in the United States for public training for the general public to live their mermaid dreams. If they want to dress up and come as Ariel for the day and cosplay their hearts to light or be any other original mermaid that they want to, they can do that. And I have been a professional archery coach for about 15 years now. Wow. So it's one of those things that I have a huge passion for. I started way back when I was five years old, like most kids at summer camp. Wow. And <laughs> it was something that I just fell in love with. And it's been a wonderful part of my life ever since. So I could definitely help you with that arm position <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably watch me look at me going, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> you so know, I, I feel that a lot about movies, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So, at least if you hadn't actually done it much yourself, then there's still, like, less bad habits to correct, which is great. <laughs> yeah, somebody had to make Kevin Costner look like he knew what he was doing way back. Yeah, yeah. we're Absolutely. dating on ourselves, aren't we, mentioning that one? <laughs> now, I did see that you actually have c competed, uh, I don't know, nationally? I, I was on your website that you had actually done some competition in archery. 
Yeah, so I uh, competed for a number of years in archery. I was on the California State team. I helped to restart the University of Southern California archery program that had been defunct uh, since the 1970s by the time that I was there and got that back and going, and they are still going strong, which is super exciting. Nice. Uh, and yeah, I was remarkably lucky where my mom was randomly on Google and she called me and she said, you used to love archery. There's a range nearby. And I'm like, what? Why are you looking at this mom? Uh, followed by, okay. Uh, like, all right, why not? So I drove over one Saturday and unbeknownst to me, actually at that range was a amazing man named John Norberg. And he was a two-time world champion. He had coached Olympians. He sent kids to worlds and was just an amazingly cool surfer dude that probably looked like he should have walked off Lilo and Stitch. Um, <laughs> that no one would honestly bat an eye at thinking he was, you know, as important as he was. And so I, there were a bunch of people my age and I just started going because they were really nice and it was a wonderful way to be outside. And, you know, I just asked for those little nuggets of tips from this coach who was coaching all the other kids. Uh, and it was really funny because uh, John actually to this day, I'll admit he made my life a little bit harder uh, because he just was really, really trying to be very, um, you know, equal opportunity to everyone at the range. And sometimes he would have 500 kids there uh, in that program, huge program. And as, so I would just keep coming back. And then, uh, you know, finally I got to a certain level where he agreed to take me on as a private student. And he coached me all the way through college to the point where I w actually did have the opportunity to go to the Olympic Training Center nice. in Chula Vista. And unfortunately, right at the time that that opportunity came up, I had gotten completely burnt out on competitive shooting archery. <laughs> so I did not go. Um, but it was remarkable because the coach at that time uh, was a friend of John's and John's had put the uh, pitching for me saying, you really need to check this girl out. Um, you know, if I keep on this track, I, my track was going to the Olympics. So yeah. it was kind of cool where I pivoted and took about six months off. And then the same club came back to me and said that they had a lot of young girls that would come with their families and they're having a nutrition problem because they just didn't have any female coaches. Would I consider mm. getting my coaching certification to then help with that? And I did. So yeah, within a year, I'd gone from shootings two to four hours a day, you know, having my sight set on gold for the Olympics to completely dumping that, starting my student program and immediately having my Saturdays gone because I was coaching all the time with <laughs> students and families. But that became my sweet spot, um, you know, just working with kids, especially. I love working yeah. with kids. And it's even better when you can get the whole family involved, you know, just like some of our favorite movies where, you know, you see the family together as a unit doing things together. And in real life, yeah. it's even better. Yeah. Especially you have that moment, I guess, when like a kid starts to finally figure it out and they get a little closer to that bullseye. Does that kind of just make you swell up a little bit? It does. Or all of a sudden when they like hit it and they have this moment of shock on their face and they jump and they looked at me and they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's wonderful because they did it themselves. And mm -hmm. what I really love about it is my youngest student ever was three Aww. and my <laughs> oldest archery student was 86. Wow. And he was 
World War II veteran that was kind of living through, you know, his 80s. And he asked himself what used to make him happy because he wanted to get back to that feeling. And he remembered in the 1950s at that point in time that he, when coming back from the war, had actually been a bow hunter. And Mm -hmm. he wanted to try it again. And the look on that man's face when he realized that he could still draw a bow and he still remembered you know, all these years later, what he was supposed to do with, you know, a little bit of help on my part, uh, (laughs) was just magic because you could just all of a sudden see that all of a sudden he got a bit of his pride back from when he was a younger man and Mm. also some really good memories of what did it feel like to be strong? What did it feel like to be outside and how incredible that once was that now he's still able to. Oh, that's cool. So I remember the first time I was shooting, uh, I meant, like I mentioned at that summer camp, it took me a while before I even hit the target because there was nothing but trees and hay bales behind it. And that's where everybody was shooting like you know, over <laughs> yeah. that way and over that way. And I think I, I stopped when I finally, cause I'd been tearing my arm up when I finally got one, uh, like not the bullseye, but the, like the second ring in there. And I'm like, I don't know how I got it there, but I had one hit there and I'm like, all right, that's the best I'm ever going to get. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what you're describing, especially with the alignment, is, you know, the interesting thing is I am a coach with USA Archery, the national governing body of archery in the United States. I'm actually a level three coach, which is a national level coach. So I can actually coach people up to Olympic level. And it's one of those things where the USA Archery program is really phenomenal. They've um, done, you know, collaborations with certain movies that have come out in the past where they have um, encouraged kids with posters or that kind of thing to go and really get into whatever the particular hero or heroine of the movie is. Mm. And they have an amazing program. So they have junior Olympic archery division, which is what I started in. And that's for kids under the age of 18. So if anyone wants to be, you know, hawk or any of those amazing Disney characters that we know and love um, that they can actually go and learn from a coach that is pre-screened for safety with children and they can physically learn from the very best protocols. So nice. all the way back on form and how do you hold the bow? How are you safe? How do you build the right muscles? And we also, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is you're not all of a sudden going to get some Robin Hood bow. Yeah. (laughs) We'll start you off very, very lightweight and gradually build just like weightlifting. But it's amazing. I highly encourage if you have not tried archery and you're looking for something that you can do as a solo sport, because, you know, at least at the time of this call recording, we're in coronavirus lockdown. Yeah. You can totally do this sport by yourself. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. Another thing you could, well, if you have a pool, I guess you could do by yourself. But uh, so with the, you you train people to be mermaids. At like, I and I, I think I saw this like a stunts, on underwater yes. stunts you teach. Yeah, so as a finstructor, as we call it, get it, finstructor, <laughs> at LA Mermaid School, I do train people from around the world how to become mermaids. And I have also done quite a bit of set work. We've done a interesting, um, you know, based on the fact that this is Neverland Podcast, mm-hmm. if you want to go and see a cool Little Mermaid tie-in riff inspired by BuzzFeed, they did do a um, segment with me where they were trying to see if you could really actually go underwater and do your makeup like Ursula from The Little Mermaid. (laughs) So I was brought in. I'm actually my mermaid fin for that. It was through BuzzFeed and it was super fun. Um, And that is available on YouTube or wherever you get your streaming 
consuming content from. And again, that was BuzzFeed. But at LA Mermaid School, it's really neat because I get these amazing opportunities to just connect with people. And, you know, a lot of the ladies, especially in their, say, like 20s into 40s, grew up with Little Mermaid. And it's a joke in Hollywood that I'm Ariel stunt double, you know, (laughs) not officially because she's animated and I'm actually real. Um, But we obviously look quite a bit alike. And uh, it was really funny because I originally, you know, didn't want to in any way be confused with Disney just for proprietary rights and that kind of stuff. And so I actually had a gold tail for my first uh, Mm. tail that I worked professionally in. It's made of silicone, a couple thousand dollars because they're all prosthetics. Wow. And Uh, still, like all these little girls would be like Ariel, and I'm like uh, Catalina. <laughs> and they're like Ariel. <laughs> okay, I tried so hard not to like yeah. in any way conflict, and they are still going to call me Ariel. Um, like when you so, take yeah, kids into a, like when you take kids into an aquarium, Nemo. It's a clownfish. Nemo, clownfish. Yes, exactly. Always Nemo. My, my uh, wife is a biology teacher, so it kind of drives her crazy. And she uh-huh. always wants to like, oh, parents, I wish you knew what the fish was so you could teach your children about these fish. Because, you know, our zoo actually has a nice little saltwater tank and they're building a bigger one. And there's, they have clownfish. And they even have, I forgot what type of fish Dory is. My is wife could tell tank? me. Hmm? There you go. A blue tang. So, <laughs> <Hashtag> mermaid facts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, you should know this because you being a professional mermaid, you need yes. to know these fish. So, plus, you do have a biomedical degree. Yeah, I actually graduated college in something completely unrelated to show business, which shows that you know you can still and go satisfy the parents by getting the degree they want, and then right. go on and have the career you want. <laughs> uh, I got graduated from USC with biomedical and mechanical engineering, so I was a total nerd like most of us are, and mm-hmm. I was actually learning how to do artificial organs, artificial hearts, how to design defibrillators, all that wow. kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, four years in the basement, who knew you would really <laughs> want to go party after that. <laughs> so, but that's also where I really discovered my love of sports because before then I was always told I was terrible at sports and lo and behold, I'm actually a really good athlete, just not with <laughs> running and kicking a ball around ever. Right. <laughs> so I, I haven't found any sport I'm good at yet. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible at every sport. I tried. I tried to run track because I thought, well, hey, I can run, but I don't think my form was right. And I tried doing that in high school. I, I actually injured my ankle a little bit, so I can't run very well at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can bowl, but I, you know, if I ever hit, hit two, well, I think I hit 200 like once in my life. But I'm like, there's nothing I can do really competitive. And I thought, oh, I'm pretty good at playing video games. But then I see some seven-year-old playing Fortnite who slaughters everything. <laughs> I'm like, I'm no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's I'm all not competing in anything. You know, like, I wish that my schools growing up had had stuff like scuba diving or fencing or archery or any of the quirky sports that I dearly love that I'm actually good at. Because I literally went through my entire grade school growing up being told that I was awful athlete and I should not Mm. try and I was pickless on every team. And then lo and behold, you get in the right sport and the sky's the limit. Um, So, yeah, it would be fun if, like, schools actually taught that to kids, you know, that just think outside the box and somebody is going to be good at something and you just need to find your own special thing. Yeah. Especially if they taught fencing, I'd actually would like to learn fencing. That Super would fun. be fun for me. Cause yeah. you know, I, you know, you grow up, you watch Conan the Barbarian and even when they had the PG 13 sword movies, I, Oh man, I had, all I needed was a wiffle ball bat when I was a kid and I was having my <laughs> own little adventures. And so of mm-hmm. course I would, you know, when I start going to Renaissance fairs and stuff, you know, Oh yeah, I am the Renaissance nerd, you know, 
Uh, me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was a professional lady night on the Renaissance Fair circuit for a couple of years, and I worked a lot with a reenactment group called the Society of Creative Anachronism, which gave <laughs> me an amazing place, aka SCA, mm-hmm. uh, to actually learn all the mounted skills because you know at that point in time and to the de- to date, actually, it's practically impossible for a woman in America to become a professional jouster or knight mm-hmm. where the number one training center for that kind of thing is medieval times, their national chain, and they only accept men and they will only accept squires that are men and they will only accept knights that are men. And if you're female, it's literally on their website that all you are eligible to do is like a wench or mm-hmm. maybe if you're lucky, maybe an assistant horse trainer that's never seen. Uh, or maybe if you're luckier and you already have the license of Falconer. Um, but they physically, like on their website, say basically women do not apply. So mm-hmm. if you're a girl and you love all things fantasy like I do, you know, I grew up obviously loving Disney princesses. Yep. Uh, some of them were like definitely like, yeah, I want to be like her. Um, and also just fantasy books because, you know, books are such an amazing way to learn about our world and be inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, but because the SCA was okay and they were open to women. That's actually how I developed a lot of the skills that then led me to Hollywood. Uh, because otherwise I would not have had that opportunity just simply because of my gender. Mm. Yeah, and I, I understand somewhat like with Jassy, if they're trying to, oh, we want to be like realistic and there wasn't any women nights back in the day. But, a joke. but, it's, like, but it's like, you know, we're in a modern area and fairy tales. And we got all kinds of stuff and, you know, even <clears throat> related to a Disney thing we're not going to mention, uh, you know, it's they can play at fairy tales. Heck, we even, yeah. our, in, in our local Kansas City Renaissance Festival, we actually had professional wrestlers come in and they were, quote unquote, gladiators. I'm like, well, gladiators would have been in Rome, not in England. So you already, <laughs> we've already established, we're not in a, a, we're not in a real medieval area. We're in a fantasy area. They even have it like a mermaid lagoon section they do now. Cool. And, so yeah, so. that's really fun. Nice. I'm I'm happy to see Renaissance Fair is shifting to that, but you know, places like medieval times, they definitely hide behind the oh, it's not historically accurate. Where if you actually study history, there were women and warriors around the world for thousands of years. Joan of Arc. And I mean, like, <laughs> let me, yeah, she's more of a figurehead. I've played her too. Um, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, we actually played Joan of Arc, the only female warrior on Deadliest Warrior on Spike TV when that was around. Um, that was a good show. But yeah, it's uh, they hide behind that as a reason to basically gender discriminate. When the reality is they're wearing motorcycle helmets. Like, come on. <laughs> Like, try harder. You know, you're wearing yeah. spandex. That was not period correct either. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the fantasy stuff shift in Renaissance series is really exciting because, you know, you traditionally have an archery booth that you can do. And for some people, that's the first time they get to throw a knife or a spear yeah. or a dagger or, you know, try your hand at fencing or maybe they have a short sword, you know, be able to pick up a broadsword and feel yeah. what that feels like. It's incredible. Yeah, they don't want to let you pick up any swords or anything like that, but they do usually around here have a throwing booth. Cool. And I, I still have the mirror. Uh, let's see. I guess I was probably 16 when I got a chance to do this. But they had throwing stars. And I nice. actually bullseyed a throwing star. Could probably never do it again. But I got a little sticker that says, uh, you know, I, I think it was labeled like shooting star. They gave me a sticker. And I, I was wearing it all day. Then I took it off and I stuck it to the mirror. And I still have that mirror on that dresser in the room. So it's right. At one point, I could throw straight. Although normally when I if I throw a ball, it always is going to go off to the, to the right. I don't know why. But some of you might just, just twist in the way you're uh, you're turning your body as you release it. That's, I think it's the same thing I do when I bowl. I twist somehow the wrong way. Yeah. But for one moment, I did hit a bullseye with a throwing star, and I was like, "Dude, ninja! I'm done." <laughs> right? It just feels good because it's like all of a sudden, all the stuff we love watching in movies and in TV shows and all these incredible avenues, like 
you suddenly get to be it. And yeah. that is the most magical thing because it's like, yeah, we can play video games all day. And I mean, some of my friends have been desperately trying to convince me that 3D virtual is the same as real life. And they're like, look, my archery is like, this is not archery, but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoy it. I'll definitely go for a little like critter zombies all day long. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you actually do it and you see it and it's real, there's something magical about that. I think that's honestly, you know, even at the parks, you see one of the Disney princesses and, mm -hmm. you know, you're a child or one of the superheroes now with Marvel and all that stuff. And suddenly it's real and anything is possible. Yeah. And it's, it's for some of us, we grew up with that anyway, you know, since I was a kid, you know, reading your comic books and all that stuff. It's always been a thing for me. And, you know, it's like there's maybe if little girls wanted to be princesses, little boys like me wanted to date them. I had yeah, I, I probably had a weird crush on Ariel. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's the way you know, people like me grew up. And I, the fun thing is within the last maybe 20 years, we've suddenly realized that we're not alone in this, that there's a lot more of us out there. Because I heck, I even remember, you know, before, because even playing games or being into comic books. You'd even have magazines with articles, how to get your girlfriend to play a video game with you. I we were always those. We were always trying to find, where are the women who do this stuff? And suddenly now we're like, well, there they are. And they've been here the whole time. How come we couldn't find you? Yeah. And now you got, and now you got poor women who out there, they'll play like an online role-playing game and everybody figures out it's a woman and they, they get freaked out because all these guys are suddenly like, hey! And it's, yeah. you, have to, you have to understand, we come from an area where we didn't know you exist and we're just excited a woman who's into the same stuff that we're into. Holy cow. And yeah, we go overboard yeah. sometimes. You just have to kind no, of tolerate think, us. <laughs> no, and I think that's a really good message, you know, to remind people of it's like, you know, males and females are just people and, you know, make people feel welcome it, because all of us want to have somebody that we can share this incredible passion for life with. Mm -hmm. Right. And we all want to make friends and we all want to be connected and we all want to be accepted. Mm -hmm. You know, and the best way to do that is just make people feel welcome and say, hey, how are you doing? And give them a big smile. It's yeah. like, yeah, because it's like, that's the way we should be acting online, you know, because there's so much online right now. I, I would hate to be raising a kid right now online. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, it also has a potential where you can reach people. Maybe your friend is in England or maybe they're, you know, in Asia and you never would otherwise meet them. But suddenly mm -hmm. you bond over a common game. What's your favorite game? Oh, well, it's, it a lot of my favorite stuff changes over time frequently. Uh, right now, I've been spending a lot of my time with Final Fantasy VII Remake because yep. it's amazing. And I've, I've set a goal for myself. I'm like, you know, I still – I'm heck, I'm over 40, but I can still be a good gamer. I'm aiming <laughs> to finish that on hard mode. Uh, and I've only got one step to go. I've uh, – because there's a – now, for anyone who hasn't played this, I'm like – they're going to be confused. But uh, in a simulator, if you do that's one last thing to call the pride and joy – and it's a series of five boss battles. But if you complete it, you get this thing called the Gotter Damarung or something. And basically, this sets off your limit break as soon as you begin a battle. And you can wipe out your bosses a lot faster. So my goal is I want to get that and then jump back into that. The only chapter I have not completed is Chapter 18, where you have to deal with Sephiroth. And mm -hmm. I want to come at him with everything I possibly have and take him down hard and say, that's it. You're done. Good goal. Yeah, nice. So that's my goal. I don't know if I'm going to platinum that game on the PlayStation because there are some little weird things. Like I haven't figured out how to do this motorcycle mini game very well. Uh -huh. And then uh, there's this pull up bar you have to do with Tifa. And I cannot, for the life of me, get my rhythm down for that or something. So okay. I'm like, you know what? If I beat it on hard, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. So, And I know there's tons of people that have already done it. But like, OK, well, that's that's good for you. But I need to do it myself. 
Exactly. So, you know, because it's favorite, one thing like, watching somebody else do it, like on a gamer channel. It's totally different when you actually figure it out and you're fast enough or you're, you remember how the sequence is supposed to go. You know, that's mm-hmm. your accomplishment. And just because a thousand people have already done it, you know, I mean, look at archery. <laughs> it, it's been going on since prehistoric times. If I was mm-hmm. judging myself on, oh, this has to be original, <laughs> never do the sport. Um, <laughs> but it's still just as amazing where, you know, it's just like the ancient text where people were talking about one of the greatest gifts in the world was to be able to spend time with your bow. Um, And the fact that, you know, here in 2020, it's time of this recording, we're still enjoying things like that. It really shows you, you know, how much the world has to offer that sometimes is some of the oldest joys. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I would actually like to learn after that time that I spent with a bow, I want to learn and get good at it. I don't know, like around here, if there's anywhere I could actually learn and learn how to not, you know, scrape the skin off my forearm because I'm holding the bow wrong. Yeah, so. absolutely. I'd really recommend going on usaarchery.com and they actually have a club and a coach locator. So if you're a person interested in archery, you can just go on their website and they'll actually be able to pinpoint where you're closest to based on your location to a training center. And most of those training centers do provide most of the equipment. You normally don't have to have anything to get into mm. it, which makes it a really friendly sport yeah. because you can actually just go and to most of the places you know, go pay a day fee, just like a bowling alley. And then they'll let you in. And many of them also have um, introduction classes where all of a sudden you can learn about where you're supposed to stand. So kind of like, I don't know, etiquette, except, you know, that way you don't quite stick out when you actually go with the big group. (laughs) Now, the fun part, though, would be this would be like fairly advanced, but I bet you can do this Mm -hmm. horseback, full gallop, be able to hit a target riding by it. Yes. Uh, Mounted archery really depends on the horse. So certain (laughs) horses enjoy it quite a bit more. My last horse, uh, who is this gorgeous uh, black horse that I had years ago, he was absolutely magnificent and just the sweetest horse. He liked it and he was super comfortable and he just gave me this perfect riding platform. My current horse, who goes by Milo the Unicorn. um, (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute. Yeah, my horse has an Insta. You need to check out my horse, Milo the Unicorn, uh, official on Instagram. Uh, He also has a very good website. But he makes his money and his feed and his massage therapist, because he's in L.A., of course, the horse is a massage therapist. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as well as a tailor, because, yeah. Sure. Uh, He actually (laughs) does not really enjoy mounted archery, because he just is trying to figure out why I'm not using the reins. And he's like, human, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And no matter how many times I'm like, Milo, it's fine. And he's like, no, you're doing it wrong. I'm going to stop now because you're doing it wrong. You know, and the last <laughs> one just, I guess, had more trust in me about, okay, human says it's fine. You know, yeah. <laughs> or maybe like that's the fr- uh, fr- friend you hang out with when you're having fun. And the other one's like, no, you're going to be uh, hurting yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of the paradox, I guess, like which horse really loved me more, the one that trusted me or the one that's trying to make sure I don't kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, mountain archery is super fun. Uh, it's just, it's a neat sport, super hard. I yeah. think the only other thing that's kind of like that is uh, the version of archery trap shooting or skeet shooting, where mm. there are actually amazing machines that throw foam targets up in the air or alternately bounce them across the ground where you have to track them. Wow. And that's if, you know, again, if anyone's listening that does archery and this maybe just eh, needs to mix it up. 
yeah, really hard. Really <laughs> fun, though. All of a sudden, this thing launches through the air, and it's bright orange, just like a trap shoot uh, for guns, except it's all archery equipment. Mm. And you just try to trace that thing and time it and guesstimate where it is in the air compared to you. And all that stuff is so much harder for the bow. They, mm. Because, you know, unlike a gun, if you were to use something like that, it, the bullet goes a lot faster than an arrow. So all of a sudden, you have yeah. this long chunk of wood or metal, whatever you happen to be using for substance, sometimes carbon, and just trying to figure out how far is the distance. Then you know how to, far to sight off in order to get that flying target. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah, I had a hard enough time like at Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time where they had the mounted archery bit on there. I, it took me forever just to do it, and that was just using my thumbs. Oh, yeah, right with the horse. <laughs> You know, when you've got a creature that's about 1,200 pounds, the brain the size yeah. of a walnut that is telling you what he thinks of your performance, makes life interesting. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.